This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. Just getting out for the morning walk. It's four in the morning. And everything is almost quiet. Now it's quiet. (laughs) Oh, somebody's up. I'm just noticing a a light in a window. So, uh, I've gone down the rabbit hole of the internet and found myself at allegory. What is allegory? So allegory is a metaphor. I'm just pulling up my notes here. Is a character, place, or event used to deliver a broader message about real-world issues and occurrences. And, in, and to my way of thinking, that's fantastic. My my experience of, of allegory are medieval, medieval stories. Um, Poems uh, usually connected to uh, religion, so there's that, that there's that kind of tone to it, to the metaphor. Uh, an example would be the fairy queen, where the knights are expressions of, I think it's virtues. So, say, each of the, I guess it's the twelve knights that they symbolize um, the, you know, elements of the perfect gentleman, you know, what, what uh, people should aspire to. Specifically, gentlemen. That's at the beginning of the Fairy Queen. It's, it's laid out that this is the, this is kind of like a shopping list uh, but uh, allegory, for me, has created distance, because I, I sit there and I go, ooh, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into that territory, I don't want to be um, creating something that, unfortunately, is not saying anything, and again, that's, that's unfortunate, because looking at the definition, there's this huge opportunity there. How is it a metaphor? So a metaphor is when something is something else. And in the case of the Fairy Queen, it was that a knight of the round table uh, was a virtue, you know, was virtuous. Virtuosity itself. And so, and so. I'm, uh, I'm I'm just, I'm just rolling around in it in, in the sense of thinking of how to, to how to do that to uh, 
have character. I, I think, too, it's that I have a particular character that I'm working on right now that is... that is death. So... My question, how how I was, you know, looking at this literary device called allegory was, I started with uh, personification, and um, the problem with the definition was that personification is um, very simplistic, and it didn't. It didn't pop up right away. Um, What I was looking for were examples of, you know, uh, know, the moon personified or death personified. But instead it was, say, examples where, um, you know, the trees uh, waved in the, you know, the trees waved, right? Which is to to say that they're kind of like uh, people, and there's this element of being a person. Um, perhaps, perhaps there's uh, characters. That's and that's the thing I was looking for: full-blown characters, like say, the moon as a person. But instead, it's giving human attributes to uh, inanimate objects, uh, for the most part, or even you know plants, animals, the, you know the, the stars, the stars winked, right, or something like that. <clears throat> so from there, I went to. I ended up at allegory, and uh, it made much more sense. And I got excited about the potential for social commentary. And I've, I've, yeah, I am dabbling that. I have dabbled in that. I have concerns and preoccupations. you know, things I think it's important to address and to be talking about. What was the other part? Something to do, just looking at my list again, and uh, another definition is a story conveying a symbolic meaning instead of a literal one. And, and that's story in total. Um, what do I what do I like about it? It it opens up the floodgates that say you could be looking for symbolism, and I like that what um, distinguishes it it distinguishes it from say genre fiction 
um, I'm going to say rather than going through tired fantasy tropes and returning, returning, reusing, not uh, reinventing and making fresh. So we have we have allegory, and th- there seems to be there's an element of the fantastic there. I did a podcast episode about metaphor, and I remember going into it talking about a kind of shamanic quality to metaphor that a person uh, is becoming for for a moment becomes a kind of hybrid or they fully transform they shapeshift and become this other creature and yeah so i <laughs> so I, I i find myself returning to that notion and then also that some very important things can be represented. One of the examples of allegory, and also an argument, was that um, was Tolkien uh, arguing that Lord of the Rings is not allegory. Um, the, the allegory is that the ring represents. Um, nuclear weapons or nuclear power and his response was well if that was the case then there would be an an arms race and that instead of you know destroying the ring that it would be it would be this representation of <clears throat> so uh, in that interpretation, it's that the the allegory is a a perfect or fairly clear. Um, in in the case of say, if you're arguing that the the One Ring from the Lord of the Rings, if you're saying that you know, that, that, I guess it's sort of going for a pure symbol. That allegory is about pure symbolism. You know that one thing is definitely another thing. <clears throat> in that case, the, uh, you know, the, in order for the ring to be nuclear, uh, nuclear weapons, that it has to be an exact kind of, uh, exact definition, exact reference. Another example that makes sense, that is that is a clearer allegory, is Animal Farm by George Orwell. And in that, that um, the animals and the totalitarian regime that comes about on the farm, that that is a reflection of uh, contemporary Russia at that time and and some argue that you know it that has continued 
with the uh, apparent president for life. Um, and so, um, yeah, yeah, for me, I, that that's a clearer example of a modern-day allegory. And I hadn't looked at it that way before. Does this mean that I'm heading into allegory? Am I doing a work of allegory? Um, I think I would have to sit down and be very clear about... Now I'm returning to my notes and the definition. A symbolic meaning. Yeah, so it'd have to be clear what symbolic meaning does my story have. There are themes at work. The one I'm doing currently is that instead of, you know, black hats and white hats, instead of the theme of good and evil, that four children create uh, a fantasy world and that not Lord of the Flies but say that it, it's it's up to them um, at the same time they're exploring and they're learning and they're making mistakes uh, so it's a bit about taking responsibility it's a bit about um, growing up a little no, not entirely. <clears throat> I'm thinking too that, say, adults who would read it or read it to their kids, that it would be operating on another level and that the adults would pick up, um, that they would benefit from it so that it has some level of depth. And so I don't, I don't see a symbolic meaning for the story. There, there is symbolism at work. I have a, a griffin, and that's loaded up with symbolism. And today I just, I, I've been sort of at odds with the spelling because. There's two, uh, in my various dictionaries, there's two ways of spelling Griffin. And then I went to one of my first Griffin experiences, which was Alice in Wonderland. They have this uh, scene with, it was, it's a storytelling scene, where the, where the mock turtle is talking about the walrus and the carpenter and there's two characters in that scene besides Alice there's uh, the griffin and the mock turtle and the griffin is spelled G-R 
I think it's Y, and then a P-H-O-N. And so that just <laughs> caused... And two, though, I adopted it. I was sort of, oh, that's interesting. And I, I wonder why that spelling. So that's something I will go off and, and check out. And um, does that have meaning? That was something about Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass is that there's a lot of wordplay and uh, logic games going on. Uh, it's a, it's very silly. It's very silly, so it works, I think, for kids. It's a, it's an odd vibe. There's a. It feels it feels darker. Perhaps it has to do as well with sort of approaching the new year that that there's this sort of just a feeling of a kind of heaviness. And two, probably why we have New Year's celebration. And back to allegory. So, the, so there's a kind of joy to it. Um, I'm curious about, say, doing allegory for, uh, you know, to to discuss something on on the level of animal farm. But say, um, perhaps getting close to to something like um, fascism. And uh, fascism, free will. What do, you know? What does what does what does that mean? You know, my own preoccupation with um, attempting to uh, reprogram myself to escape my uh, conditioning and to you know to to shape uh, who I am. Um, just just being able to talk about it, I think that that's um, at least a boon. It's part of that process, and that say in writing with allegory to 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 address something and for myself that it has to be about. So, what would the symbolism be? I think the big thing I, I come back to is uh, the symptoms versus the cause, and that there would be this um, symbolic, uh, this symbolic kind of division. I think that's happening in when I'm writing um, in, in the world of terrapin, the fantasy world that I have these clear divisions, these character divisions. And it's easy to read into them. I think I've mined symbolism 
for the but uh, the two sides definitely are representatives of I'm just wondering if I'm digging uh, digging a hole here but I'll keep going I don't have to publish this <laughs> um, yeah so in Terrapin the you know the the shape of the map is I, I I was thinking of a mandala, which is this expression or representation of a mind, and that say if you're working on a mandala, you're working on uh, examining or expressing your psyche. So the symbolism. Like say allegorically, I I would say. Now I'm kind of finding I don't like the taste of it, but uh, a symbolic um, that has a symbolic meaning rather than a literal meaning. I think it shares. I think it has both. A- an allegory, though, would be say that. Know that the main character is uh, a symbol, right, or represents something, and the various other characters represent something. And there's a bit of that, but I didn't go into it thinking that my main character is a um, a symbol. Perhaps my, you know, you, perhaps you could look at it as that you know, she's symbolic of a like say a, a, a superhero kind of character who's able to achieve something kind of a wonder girl versus a wonder woman ish personally the character's loaded with a lot of references behind the scenes And the setting, the setting is Vancouver, um, but there is a preoccupation with the mind, my mind, you know, that it is, that's something that I kept coming back to, is my own imagination, my own process involved in the, uh, in the writing. But, look, but looking ahead, or say even what I'm doing now, I'm just thinking about the, the allegorical um, potential. And that's something I don't have. I don't have the symbolic meaning of, of, of the story. I have... Another um, example... And this is jumping back to a uh, religious religious symbolism. Is I think it's called is it Piers Plow, Plowman, and that there is this. I think the main character is called Christian, and throughout this story, he's attempting to get to uh, 
a holy city. And so it's pretty obvious that, you know, this is a Christian's journey to, you know, to get to this transcendent experience. There's kind of heaviness in the air, too. I'm just sort of wondering, is this my psychological, uh, psychological state? Yeah, an oppressive kind of feeling. I'm just thinking about Dante's Divine Comedy and that there's a kind of allegorical quality to it that uh, there's this, you know, there's this journey through um, this Christian cosmology. What's up this morning? Yeah. Uh, so I'm just just continuing here, moving forward past the these shadow-like trees. <laughs> so oppressive this morning um, that's kind of an example I'm just going to think of the you know, weather as state of mind you know when people talk about uh, you know sunshine weather and you know things are you're happy and things are good and then you know it's overcast and it's kind of low down there's a bit of expressionism there. Because you could have a great day. It could be raining and you could be, in, you know, it's like, oh, it's a fantastic day. And then vice versa. You could have this sunshining day and it could be the worst day of your life. So, um, there's that, yeah, symbolism. Or you could be, you know, in a blazing hot desert, right? That the extreme of it. It's like, oh yeah, oh well, you know, the desert, you know, no clouds, you know, really hot sun, that should be really good, right? And then the opposite, that a, um, the desert, the, uh, you know, the, the extreme of, of, say, rain, torrential downpour, I can remember being in one, it was, uh, it was in Korea, it was, I think it was during the summertime, and it was this weird combination of, it's warm, and it's raining, in Vancouver, usually, <laughs> usually it's, uh, you know, it's not muggy, you know, we don't have the humidity, maybe we do have the humidity, but it's cold or cool, it rains so much during winter, but it's opposite. Korea has this a lot of rain, and it's uh, it's hot, warm during the summer. Um, 
And I can remember there was just just buckets of it coming down, and it was it was actually okay. You know, I didn't. You know, you didn't have to. You know. I remember. You know, we didn't have an umbrella, and we got drenched, but it was actually okay. It wasn't. It wasn't this terrible thing. And. Yeah, so I'm I'm just thinking about how symbolism symbolism operates. Like right now, I'm going for a walk in the darkness. Sometimes there's stars and stuff, but there's supposed to be this negative to the night. You know, the night is dangerous. These animals, like ferocious raccoons. And then the, the flip side that you know, the daylight is better and safer. I, I, I do go with that to degrees. Um, but the, the day, daytime can be just as, you know, dangerous. Car accidents happen during the daytime, and it's, it's not the, it's not the um, utopia of, uh, that symbolism would suggest. Uh, a little bit achy, actually. Yeah. And that's another thing we get here. We get this, these fluxes of uh, barometric pressure. Almost it, it's not like the bends, like say when you go diving, but there's this kind of accordion kind of feel of being stretched that uh, everything will be okay, and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, you know, and, oh, it's gonna rain pretty soon. And I'm sure every everywhere has that, they have some kind of. Um, pros and cons to the the climate. Allegory. I think that I'm just just attempting to come up with just as an experiment to come up with a okay, a story conveying a symbolic meaning. So I think that's the starting point, is that you have to come up with a symbolic meaning. And also, too, I just noticed there's two definitions that um, allegory is story, but also that you could have a character, place, or event as allegory or allegorical. And the, the symbolic meaning delivers a broader message about real-world issues and occurrences. But it seems to have to start with symbolism. So whether it's the entire story or just one character. Um, for me right now, I have 
I have this character that the symbolism is uh, death. And so I'm, I'm just sitting here going, um, is it... So, so does this character deliver a message? In the story, the character has been invented by accident. And um, one of the kids creates the character, like, becomes afraid. And that it's sort of like this uh, primordial fear of... Know, being hurt, um, fear of death. And two, so um, I guess it's like a fear of the unknown, right? There's nothing to fear, but, you know, the, the hard science part of ourself, even the soft science part of ourself, that there's this, there's an encoded um, fear like uh, the fight or flight, and then there's the enculturated fear. You know that we are that we are animals at 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 the core, and we are we are driven by these drives. <clears throat> Mm, to survive, yeah. What are some other things? I, I, I found that I didn't want to make the character this grim reaper. That I wasn't going for this kind of... Um, and what is it? So I'm thinking about it right now. And I don't think it's allegorical, an allegorical character, because it doesn't, the character doesn't symbolize, like it's, it's a literal, right, that, you know, this, this is literally death, rather than um, symbolically. And I'm just wondering about that, how, how would I have the character symbolically death? Perhaps it would be in a, like say if it was literary fiction that, you know, the character, maybe the character dresses all in black all the time, and, right, so the character wears black, and the character is... just rolling this around in my brain. You know, visits people uh, who pass away. It almost sounds like a bit of a plague doctor or something, but it reminds me of another character idea I had of a jinxed detective, right? That I, I was watching the Poirot TV series and. Which is really hit and miss. It has a great beginning, but then 
we have episodes that don't link together, and, you know, suddenly Captain Hastings is uh, not there. You know, our Dr. Watson, you know, for episodes at a time, he just disappears, and the wonderful Mrs. Uh, Miss Lemon, you know, she's not there. But, uh, what's my point? Oh, I just noticed that wherever Poirot goes, there's murder. And it's like he, he he's a, you know, it's either he's attracted to it or wherever he goes that it kind of, he causes these deaths. So it's, I'm sort of thinking of it out like that, that, that it's this jinxed detective who's trying to solve this puzzle of why people are, you know, constantly popping off wherever he goes. You know, and the the mystery of it just deepens and deepens. I like the idea, too, that he would be he or she. It would be interesting if it was a she. Uh, yeah, but he or she is... not not revealing it right away. And would that sort of push it into the into the symbolic. So that said, uh, I I, th- I think it's a it's a it's a good tool um, in the toolbox of literary devices, which I highly recommend checking out. There's this great list. Um, I've seen PDFs and lists online of literary devices and it it just gives options the other part of it is that everybody um, even if we don't know what it's called we know what it is we have that sort of gut gut reaction and that shared um, you know we we expect it and uh, some some other literary devices are foreshadowing right setting up that something's going to happen and what's another example there's something called a MacGuffin and it's a fairly it's a fairly modern term I think it's from filmmaking but the notion is that we're pursuing an object that everything is centered around an object. Um, for a story like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, it's the Ark of the Covenant. You know, that's that's the MacGuffin of the story. Everybody's looking for it, and you know, that's the that's the big contest. It's such an interesting... I was just thinking about that that movie, that story, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's an interesting ending. I, I won't spoil it, but you probably already know how it ends. But it's, it's the question of, of success question of success and winning versus surviving. I was just thinking about it and it's like, 
It's like, oh yeah, that was actually kind of unique. And uh, another uh, literary device is the Deus Ex Machina, which has lost favor. I think how it works now is that it has become a reference, or say that people will um, use it and make kind of make fun of it. Just recently, there was a there was a, a movie. I think it was called Ex Machina. So it removed the dais, but the the reference is there. The notion of that um, literary device is that in a in a Greek play, uh, I believe at the end, that a, a kind of machine is is probably like a a crane or pulley system that lowers uh, the deities, like say you know from a cloud or ropes or something, and that the, we have this, we have the, yeah, this religious, um, solution, right, uh, our characters in the story, you know, that they, uh, they don't have the power, right, they're not in control of their destiny, right, it's the, it's the gods and goddesses that, um, which is the the deus and deus ex machina. Am I off track? Thinking about deities, that there is an allegorical quality to deities. Say, in my quest for personification, or... There's this wonderful moment in... Percy Jackson and the what is it the lightning thief and um, the Greek Greek gods are either called archetypes or they or or it is owned like that they say we are archetypes and it's it doesn't come up later I'm trying to remember how many books I read <laughs> the morning started off so well <clears throat> and it's, it's definitely turned into a end of December schleppy schlump to get to the finish line okay so we're wrapping it up but just just on that note of um of deity as deity as archetype deity as um, deity as personification deity as allegory so how would that work? keep wanting to come back to personification and make it into something it's not. I think I had the misfortune of just reading somewhere that, you know, the moon 
uh, as a person, the moon personified, rather than sort of a snippet like giving um, a human quality to the moon. symbolic um, so making a person uh, symbolic that they that the symbolism is the moon and then by extension that that person becomes that personified uh, symbol that that becomes a, a deity the deity that comes to mind is Diana or Selena and and then say my other uh, podcast episode was talking about the metaphor you know the shaman is this kind of living metaphor this person who's able to to go back and forth between this sort of state uh, experiential state. And yeah, just I'm just I'm just mired in this now. And I, I started off so clear with my excitement about allegory. But now I'm I'm having difficulty with it. I think the best thing is just to walk away with it as as tool rather than to be because it feels like I'm trying to shove you know uh, a round peg into a square hole. You know, it's just not it's just not happening trying to make it into something that it's not. Uh, you know, the the experiment that I was hoping to do which was to come up with a symbol and to in order to express something, some kind of social concern right now. Tree, looking at the tree. What does the tree symbolize? There's lots of tree symbolism for trees. I keep walking by these trees, and you know, they symbolize air. They symbolize life, plant life. They symbolize uh, families. You know, they're reaching into the ground, into the past, reaching out up there's a bit of uh, heaven and earth you know connecting the two I can just imagine sort of whack, whacked out shamans being you know sort of seeing this and going you know oh yes this, this tree that I'm sitting you know I've got my back against this tree and this tree is you know connecting me with with the cosmos Calm down, Grandpa. (laughs) 
shamanic grandfather. Uh, from there, I've gone to the uh, grandfather mushroom, who's this character from uh, Russian stories, you know, and uh, is in fine company with Baba Yaga and uh, other, you know, other sort of folktale and mythology. And yeah, I seem to be having this block. You know, I'm not, I'm not having any luck putting, um, giving symbolic meaning to a, to a story. I think the other thing is that you have to have, you have to have in mind your social concern. So you have a, a symbolism that represents your social concern. And then, you know, there, like say, George Orwell, you know, he's talking about totalitarianism. Uh... AKA. It's interesting, I was just about to say, I was about to say communism, but then it's not, it, he's not being, uh, he's not against communism per se, he's against the, um, the corruption of it, right? So we, that we end up with uh, a few people, a party, who are in power, and uh, you know everybody else is on the bottom, and then you get these few people on top, and you know much like now where we have the the oligarchs, we have the president for life in Russia. And two, uh, you know, we're in a bit of a similar situation. You know, we have we have a few at the top, and uh, everybody else is uh, <laughs> sharpening the guillotine. Right. So, how about we try this? Let's think of some kind of social concern, and then come up with a symbolism. I think I'm on the right track now. This is the, the writing process in action. Okay, some kind of big... Oh, oh here we go, here we go. Uh, climate warming. So we have climate warming, and we're looking for symbolism that would show, show that. Climate warming. So it's not just climate warming right now, it's, it's two sides of the coin. It's we have, it's almost like hard science versus soft science. You know, that's another, another example, uh, which is interesting to sort of be, you know, putting extreme left and extreme right on the same page, right, that they're... These uh, extremist points of view. Right, brain, take me there, take me there, and don't get me into too much trouble, please. <laughs> okay, so uh, we have 
global warming, climate change, and then there's a symbolism. You know, so, so we're talking about something by not talking about it. We're using symbolism. And so what would symbolize global warming? So there would be some, some it would be a setting or say setting people and it has to do with um, what they are doing is making it difficult to live in that place you know that they have to leave or that there's adjustment and so it's not global warming but it's um, Ooh, now I'm thinking of my uh, literary project that involves um, a pipeline being put through and that the... Uh, it's kind of, kind of heating up. Uh, my, my own... Like, even today, I was going through this um, movie theater magazine, which is which has got advertisements, but more specifically, it has car advertisements. And, you know, no big deal, big deal. Uh, if you at all take the issue seriously, right? We have a huge industry there involved with, like, say, in that advertisement, if I acquiesce, if I don't respond. And so right now, I'm, I'm being vo mo motivated by, um, it's like my great-grandmother's uh, letter-writing campaigns. You know, and she was a mover and a shaker. Uh, not, you know, a huge political figure, but it was she, she was more like a, a uh, grassroots political figure. But anyways, I, I pick up this movie magazine, and, you know, they have lots of articles, and it's a big advertisement, you know, for movies that are coming up. And then I get hit with a full-page spread in the middle that uh, talks about achievement. You know, <laughs> brothers, sisters, how can you achieve anything if you're surrounded by mass extinction, etc., etc., etc.? And so there's that car, and then there's another car farther back. And so the, the achievement one, this is not about, it's about status. It's about, you know, that particular car company. It seems, it's, it's got an upper class status symbol to it that if you have this car, you have achieved, right? You, you're on the way to, what's it called? Um, 
It's a form of advertisement. Might even be achievement advertisement. But it's it's creating um, lack and it's uh, undermining a person's sense of self worth. Looking at this um, piece of garbage. Ooh, I'm getting tough now. <laughs> um, getting closer to the end of this episode. So say, okay, I've chosen this um, issue and that uh, perhaps it could be the ah, I'm still working on that you know, symbolism. So what would the symbolism be? What would symbolize, like say an animal farm where animals um, act out the creation of a totalitarian uh, government. And so, in the story that I'm proposing, that uh, there's this acting out of global warming, perhaps it could be something just like, say, a kind of heat lamp or a an environment that somebody is creating, like a fish tank or a garden, right, that um, I'm, I'm just sort of thinking about how how could you represent the uh, the symbolic heating up. It doesn't have to actually be heat. It could just be that the environment, the situation changes enough that you know it's it's no longer possible to live or to exist in that situation. Yeah, so I'm just I'm just add, adding it up. And uh, just adding it up and coming up with this and too it's a it's a heavy issue like you're getting into you know mass extinction it's just um, and we have had them in the past, you know uh, warming up things to the point where it's uh, impossible. You know, you're just going to get you know, very, the very smallest, the very sort of select of uh, creatures that can survive. Um, and they will. They, they, have, they have before and they will again. <clears throat> so the, it, the so the symbolism would be some kind of um, oppressive uh, oppressive environment, and uh, it, it could be kind of like a neighborhood, right? The neighborhood you're not taking care of the neighborhood. And all of a sudden, you know, you're not, um, my, mind, 
my mind is jumping right now to the Us movie, which uh, the trailer has just come out. And it's uh, one of the guys from Key and Peel, the uh, comedian duo, comedian duo. And they, um, one of the guys, the shorter guy, sorry. It's true, it's true. I love you. Uh, but he did the movie, you know, it's all collaborative, but you know, he spearheaded the movie um, Get Out. Now he's doing this movie. And I saw a breakdown of the trailer, and somebody was doing a critical reading of it, and symbolism of it. And they have they have a family, African American family, who all of a sudden they have to deal with this, these kind of um, mirrors, these this really sort of horrific version of themselves. And right away to me, it was just like, boom, you know, this is me. I go through this every day. I know many, many people. I think we all go through this, which is such a great title. It's us, you know, and it's, it's not just the African-American community. You know, it's universal. And so I'm looking forward to engaging with that. And, you know, it's amazing how, you know, doing two things, like, you're t- you know, this is, this Us movie coming up, it's, it's, it's a horror movie, but it's also allegorical. It's, you know, using symbolism, and it's talking about a, a hugely important social issue, and it's all about how we're holding ourselves back, you know, from, you know, uh, living happier, healthier, um, more uh, holistic uh, lives. And, you know, just looking at that sort of the other side of ourselves that is um, making life difficult, holding us back. And cycles of violence, for example, you know, how... Um, how do you solve something like that? You know, there's... There's no pill. (laughs) There's no uh, silver bullet, panacea. There's no cure. You know, it's... It really is about acceptance, and it's about um, living with it. I remember reading something... uh, a guy that has repeatedly had cancer and he's talking about in the article is talking about how rather than fight it you know that it's it's a it, you know yes but it's also about living with it you know it's a, it's about escape uh, it's about acceptance you know? all right thank you for listening and uh i think i've gotten somewhere closer to the point all right Right, one word, go do it now.